All right. Good morning and welcome again to Antioch Community Church Brighton. All right. So, my name, hi Cypress. <laughs> my name is John Lux, and I have the privilege of being Cypress Lux's father. And uh, among other roles, I am also the young adult coordinator at this church. <clears throat> and so, uh, before I launch into our message for this morning, I have to say thank you. Uh, so, I get to preach as part of a collaboration team that helps to put these messages together. And so uh, thank you to Maddie, Emily, uh, Bethany, and Ron who helped me ask God, God, what are you saying to us as a church about this passage? Thank you to uh, Andy Cassian who acted as a research assistant in this message, helping me do some biblical scholarship. And thank you to Neil Crook who is mentoring me as a preacher. If you don't like it, you can let him know. Um, <laughs> All right, and check it out. This is one of my favorite things to do when I preach. Uh, so I asked the staff, and I said, hey, uh, who could we develop as a future preacher? Somebody who in future days could stand on this podium and bring the word. And uh, the staff got together, and uh, Nikki said, you've got to get Lexi Aguilar in the puppet. Yeah. And so, uh, so I reached out, and I gave Lexi the opportunity. So she prepared this message in parallel with me. Right, so we shared our notes back and forth. I took a bunch of her content, that was helpful. Um, and you can listen to Alexi Aguilar preach on John 15 if you download from this link, right? So go to that URL right there, and then uh, you can also use the scan feature on your iPhone. It'll, it'll pull up her sermon from that square. I will not be offended as you carefully do that while I am speaking. All right, and so you have, you have showed up at Antioch at a time where we're in the middle of a series working through the book of John, chapters 13 through 17. Now, we didn't choose them using a random uh, dice game. We, there was a reason we chose 13 through 17. And the reason we chose those chapters is they're called the farewell address of Jesus. So the book of John is the story of Jesus' life and death, and these chapters are the farewell address. Cover the story starting from the betrayal of Judas, where he betrays Jesus, to the death of Jesus right after chapter 17. And this is the part of the Bible where Jesus' disciples finally say to him, hey, now you are speaking plainly. Right? Jesus intentionally used parables because he wanted us to discover the truth from, from places of, um, uh, of illustration. But in, in these chapters, the disciples said, you are speaking plainly. Uh, and so when we come to these chapters, we're expecting to understand something fresh as Jesus explains about what it means to be a disciple and what it means to know Jesus. And if you were here last week in this series, you got to hear Amy Fuller, who brought the word, talking about, um, talking about John chapter 14 and the, and the words of Jesus that said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. We good? All right. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And just as an aside, did anyone else notice when, when Amy just like casually mentioned like, oh, this was the same chapters that I was memorizing. Like, oh, Amy, you were memorizing four chapters of the New Testament? That's pretty cool. I, I went home and I was like, could I figure out when I have time to memorize four chapters of the New Testament? Um, but but that's, uh, she's doing that because she was already saying, I want to know what it means to know Jesus. I want to know what it means to be a disciple of his. All right. In today's passage, uh, John ch chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. So get out your, your giant um, 
women's study Bible or whatever it is that you brought with you and flip those very thin pages to chapter 15 and look at verses 1 through 8. Uh, I'm going to be using the ESV version, and I'm going to switch back and forth a little bit to the NIV um, because they use different language to talk about abiding in this passage. Um, And as I I work through this passage, we're going to bring out two major things. The first is that Jesus is talking about abiding in him. And the second is that Jesus is talking about the fruit that comes in our life as a result of that abiding. And I'm going to do my best to define those two things in a way that enables us to live them out as Jesus describes. All right, Jesus says this, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. All right. Now, I'm not going to be able to explain very much about this passage unless we get some clarity on what pruning is, okay? And so Jesus uh, is using the imagery of a vine. He didn't invent this imagery. It occurs all through the Old Testament, and he's bringing it back again. And interestingly enough, during these chapters, as he's having these kind of long dialogues with the disciples, he's probably walking through the, this garden called the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was that night. And so in all possibility, Jesus is surrounded by grapevines as he talks about grapevines, okay? And, um, and so I just want to talk about pruning here. So, uh, Elliot, can you put on my slide of that, that um, shrub? Okay, if you're a landscaper, I'm sorry you had to see this. Th- <laughs> this... This is the result of a lack of pruning, okay? You don't want that to be the picture of your spiritual life, okay? This needs to be pruned. Now, Elliot, do we have a really good pruned shrub? Now, that's what I'm talking about right there, okay? I want you on the inside to feel like that spiritually, okay? And look at the attention to detail. You know, when we're talking about Jesus pruning your life, that wasn't done with a weed whacker. Someone took time. Someone paid attention to details. And when God prunes our life, there's a sense of attention. There's a sense of of desired outcome and shaping. And the result is something beautiful. And and as long as we're on the the topic of pruning, uh, I wanted to address a disturbing trend that I'm noticing here um, at our church. I'm not going to shame anybody, uh, but I've noticed that, that facial hair has really come back in the last, like, 10, 15 years. 
But but there's been a tendency to feel like any facial hair that grows on me just can be there. <laughs> but but actually, the way that this works is you might your face might look more like that first shrub than the second shrub. And um. And so, like, as we focus on pruning and letting God prune us spiritually on the inside, I felt, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be helpful to us to also allow our spouse or ourself to prune the outside of our face? So I have some slides here. Can you put those up for me, Elliot? Oh, look at that. That is, that is excellent. That's, that is every bit as good as the topiary on the previous slide. Can I see a couple more here? So look at that. Look at, look at that right there. That is excellent. And do we have one more? We don't have one more. All right. Okay. Uh, we, can, we can put some other slide up now. <laughs> okay. Don't miss the point I'm making when, when you admire um, Michael's facial hair. Okay. The point is that Jesus is pruning our life because he has something in mind that the natural random growth inside of you is not necessarily going to produce the things that Jesus has in mind for you. And when I asked the team to wait on the Lord and ask God what he's saying through this passage, that was the thing that they focused on. The idea that we have to say yes to Jesus as he come and comes to prune our life. And Lexi said it this way. She said, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, you have already given yourself over to the pruning process that God has in mind for you. Because when you make him in charge of your life, you're saying, you are the vine dresser for me. And here's the thing. When, when pieces of our life, our sins or our patterns or even good things that we like get pruned out, we have a tendency to be like, no, 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 no. God, you must not, you must not understand how important that is to you that you would take that out of my life. But we have to give ourselves to that process that God takes us through. Because here's the thing about pruning grapevines. Only the new growth on the vine produces fruit. Because the old growth is woody. It's bending down. It can't, it can't bring new fruit because it's old growth. And so God comes with pruning on our life because it's the new branches that bear fruit. All right, so, so let's talk a little bit more about the way that Jesus talks about not the piece, the way that Jesus talks about the opposite of pruning, which is to remain in the vine. Okay? So some translations use the word remain. Some translations use the word stay or keep. And then uh, this translation, the, the ESV uses the word abide. And probably the last time you used abide uh, was when you talked about this verse uh, in Sunday school as a kid. Um, because abiding is a word we don't use other places. And so we can use it to exactly take the place of this word in Greek which has, has a lot of different meanings. It has the, the meaning of like remaining or keeping yourself a part of something. This idea of enduring and persisting in connection. And it also has a strong emphasis on this idea of like continuity between yourself and the vine. That you're, you're a part with it. You're one, you're one connection with it. A sense of proximity and nearness and inclusion. That's what abiding means uh, when it's used in this context. And we talk about that verse where Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Now, I'm going to paraphrase it like this. Jesus is saying something like, if you would just stay close to me, 
and let me stay close to you. If you just persist in your connection to me and open yourself up to let me dwell in you, then you will bear much fruit. Now, now the way that the sentence comes together in Greek, Jesus is making a universal kind of promise. You will bear much fruit. If these first two pieces of you abiding in Jesus and Jesus abiding in you are true about your life, he acts like it's a foregone conclusion that you will bear much fruit. And we can take Jesus at his word. When was the last time someone made a promise on TV that was fulfilled? When was the last time someone made a, made a commitment or a promise that was fulfilled publicly? But Jesus is able to fulfill this promise. And when he says, you will bear much fruit, he is the authority on your life. Now listen to this. We, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And, and we, instinctively, we instinctively want a, a more complex answer. So Jesus' words stand on their own. But we, we, have, we instinctively want more of an explanation here. And I think part of the reason for that centers around his use of the word fruit. Okay? You will bear much fruit. And, and for each of us, there are mental images that we have to put this post-it note that says fruit on it in our mind. What is, what is labeled fruit and fruitfulness for us? And, um, and I want to submit to you that, that our life and our worldview is pretty different than Jesus's was. Not just because he was God, but because we live in a postmodern, urban, industrial society. And Jesus was a carpenter in rural Judea a long time ago, okay? So Jesus, praise God, was God. And so he's able to anticipate our differentness from him. But listen to this. Because we're urban, industrial, postmoderns, when we think of fruit, we have a lot of associations. We're thinking my performance review at work. We're thinking, do I have anything to show for it? We're thinking report cards. We're thinking MCAS. We're thinking reviews and likes and, 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 and did I make a sale? How many widgets did you produce? That's how the industrial society assigns value. And so when we think about fruitfulness, we automatically jump to the end of the story and say, what do I have to show for my Christianity? Did anyone else believe in Jesus as a result of my, my being alive? Or did, 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 were any poor people helped? Did anything significant happen that I can measure and point to? But when Jesus is talking about fruitfulness, he's using the example of a vine. And there's a specific reason that he uses a vine as his example. Because in ancient times, you could not go and order a double chocolate fudge cake because there was no such thing. The delicacy of the ancient world was grapes and wine. And when Jesus says fruitfulness and points to a vine, he is talking about the delightfulness of it, the enjoyableness of it. And so when Jesus talks about fruit, the imagery is much less attached to what you can show for your life and a lot more attached to how enjoyable your life is to God, who is the vine dresser of it. Are you tracking with me? And our vine dresser, God the Father, he does care about the, the impact of your life. He, he does care about whether we have a healthy or unhealthy church. 
He does care about whether we actually obey his commands with our life or not. He does care about the outward things. God is, God is not blind to those things. But when God thinks about the enjoyableness of your life, and if he thinks of you as a delicacy on a vine, it's the enjoyableness of your heart in the place of abiding that produces those actions. You tracking with me? That we can't shortcut to the actions. Just like Amy talked about with her example of the tree, we cannot staple gun leaves onto it. What makes it pleasing to God is that it came from that place of intimate abiding with him. All right, I'm going to try to make this as, as practical as I can, right? So what does abiding look like? What is, what is a fruitful life that flows from abiding look like? Well, we could spend our time alone in a room, like, imagining that Jesus is a vine and, like, concentrating on, like, this, like, I'm a branch, I'm a branch. You know, like, what does it mean? How do we practically do abiding? And the way that we practically do abiding is that we dwell with Jesus, we abide with him, and then we allow actions to flow from the place of relationship and connection to Jesus. So you might, you might be uh, somebody who, who bears fruit this week by, by saying an apology, right? We've got all the kids in the service. You might need to say an apology to your mom and dad, and that apology might be fruitful in God's eyes, and not just fruitful like it did something, Fruitful like it made God happy, like it made God pleased. And if you're a parent and you just heard me say that and you're like, yeah, you might need to apologize to your children. That might be, don't clap at that. (laughs) You might need to apologize to your children. That might be the fruit that you're going to bear this week. All right? And uh, the fruit of your life could be something that no one sees but God. You could, be a, you could be a college student who pulled an, an all-nighter last night, and you're going to stay up again tonight just to pray, to be alone with God, to step back from the crowd. You could be the person who goes to work this week, and instead of sort of like trying to keep your head under the radar and make it through your first couple years at this job, you could be bold at your workplace. You could say, hey, coworker, I can tell that your life is falling apart, and I care about you. You know what I'm talking about. That person works at your workplace too.